This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey everybody, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Casual Podcast. Please leave an iTunes review. I know I say that every time, but we need more reviews to get higher on those iTunes rankings. And also go to Simple Passive Cashflow and sign up for the Hui Deal Pipeline Club. We are right now, we're above 100 members. So the more people we get, the stronger deal flow we get. Today I have on the line Ty Crandall. How are you doing, Ty? Good. How are you doing today? So Ty is an internationally known speaker, author, and business credit expert with over 17 years of financial experience. Ty is recognized as an authority in business credit building and is the author of two books, called Perfect Credit and Business Credit Decoded. And he's been featured in Entrepreneur Inc. and Forbes. Talk about some business credit and different options for real estate investors. Sounds good, man. I'm looking forward to it. So what we do is we actually help a lot of those that are actually investing into real estate to obtain the capital to be able to do so. Um, That's actually one of our biggest industries that we service are either real estate agents uh, that are building you know, their own business within a business and especially real estate investors who are looking for the actual capital they need uh, to be able to buy properties but, of course, aren't able to get, to get the financing at their banks. So are you guys helping – other people outside of real estate, like you know, startups or tech startups or business. Yeah, we work with all different kind of industries. I mean, it's it's so interesting the major differences between industries that we service. And then what we find is, you know, through trending, we find a lot of industries just naturally gravitate to what we have. And when it comes to real estate investing, it's definitely one of those bigger industries because, as you know, you know, real estate investing is is kind of deemed as a high risk industry when it comes to lending. So it's very difficult to get financing at conventional banks. And that's when we usually see a lot of customers come to start building business credit and get financing is when it's tougher for them to uh, to obtain the capital they need directly from their bank. So a lot of people listening, they go after the conventional financing, like the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans. They'll get 10 to their name. And then they that's really the end of the, the beaten path. After that, you either go to multifamily syndications or you get into more hands-on activities like the fix and flip model, and I guess that's probably where you start to come in. For all the loans, they e- they're even getting through Fannie and Freddie. You know, they still have to have down payments. So what we do is we help to be able to get funding for customers to do a lot of different things. For investors to actually buy the property without needing to go through and obtain an actual mortgage to do so, to actually give them the liquid funds they need to actually buy properties 100% with those funds instead of using mortgages, and also to to cover the down payments that they're usually getting on those five, ten, you know, real estate loans that they actually may have, uh, and then yeah, of course, we deal with fix and flip financing as well. So we help people that are looking to do fix and flips to get credit in their business name that's not linked to their personal social security number, so they can get uh, access to the credit they need to actually rehab the properties. And we even have fix and flip financing where we can help customers come in and get the financing they need to purchase the property a hundred percent of the after repair value and uh, to get the money they need to actually do the fix and flip. Yeah, so let's talk about the buy and hold side and then we'll kind of get into the, uh, the operational business part of it. I'm, I'm personally interested in that. So if you're a buy and hold investor, we, we just had uh, Chaley Ridge on the podcast and we talked all about down payment we need and for the Fannie Mae loans and then seasoning requirements. How do we get around those? I think we need to have about the funds seasoned in our accounts for two months and we need to show 
that we indeed made that an income. Well, you know, it, it just depends. I mean, it depends on exactly what you're using the money for, but ultimately you can't get around seasoning requirements. I mean, seasoning requirements are that way on, on all mortgages, whether it be conventional or unconventional. So, you know, the key of getting cash to be able to use as down payment is about getting it before that required time and making sure you have it in your account and available. So then that way you can go through those two months and have that funding in there longer than the two months. So when they're looking for the two months, that money's been in there well before. Yeah, a lot of people are using the HELOCs, but this, it's pretty much the same thing. Well, look, there, you know, a, a lot of people I talk to can't get the HELOCs. You know, the credit's not to a point, the loan to value is not to a point where they could do it. Uh, HELOCs are a great way to go, but it just depends on how much you're looking to do. You know, you have a lot of, of listeners, I'm sure, that probably are struggling to obtain that five or ten mortgages that theoretically they can obtain. You've got a lot of, a lot of others that don't even have the down payments that are needed to even be able to obtain one. A lot of others that are trying to get to a point where they could purchase cash for a property so they don't need to go through the rigorous underwriting requirements that we now have in the mortgage space. So, you know, alternative financing, financing for your business, corporate credit, those type of things can fill all those holes. So I've looked into, um, I guess there's a lot of people privatizing the mortgages right now. And, you know, a lot of the big names like, uh, you know, B2R, Lima, and all these other places, uh, you know, I, I called them and their their terms just don't work. I mean, they're they're wanting like seven to eight percent, a couple points. So, what other options are there? I mean, when for the pers- for the investor, I mean, we put that in our spreadsheet. That's just no bueno. It just doesn't make when there's no cash flow. Sure. Well, and that's the problem with mortgages. And you know, as rates continue to climb as they will, then you're going to see it become more and more difficult to even, you know, be able to get rent income that covers the actual mortgage payment on the property. And so, you know, for example, we've got, you know, unsecured financing where somebody can get in and get zero percent financing for six to eighteen months. So there's a lot of different financing options out there that work really well for somebody to actually be able to pay cash for the property, um, getting financing using their business to actually qualify for the financing instead of the properties themselves. So listen, I mean, if everybody can go out and get 10 mortgages with little amount of money down, they have the money on hand to put down the down payments. And you know what? Honestly, a great. And the rates are low enough for them to actually have the rental income cover the mortgage payments that they're expected to make, then fantastic. Um, I wish I was in that world. You know, the real estate investors we're working with, uh, the thousands of them just are not in that position. They're not able to get 10 mortgages. They're not able to cover down payments on 10 of those. You know, they're not able to be able to get rates on those that fit for them to actually be positive cash flow wise. So in all those type of things, that's when, you know, using the business to actually qualify for additional sources of revenue to cover the down payments or always or even even buy the property's cash. Uh, works really well in lieu of an actual conventional mortgage. Yeah, and I think that's a good opportunity to kind of counter blessings the folks of us who uh, are able to save for these down payments pretty easily. Um, you know, mo- most people they can't even uh, save five thousand bucks a year, so they're talking about five, six years to get enough money to buy a you know a hundred thousand dollar home with a twenty five percent conventional mortgage. So what what do you say? What's the option that you can help them that kind of individual out with? Kai? 
Well, look, real estate investing is no different than any other business. There's two ways you could do it. You could do it the slow way where you're using your profits and your returns and the money you have to slowly build your war chest that you need to be able to make another acquisition. Or you know, you expedite it by using OPM, which is other people's money. And the easier and better you are using other people's money to be able to make purchases, the more purchases you're going to be able to make. So that's what it really comes down to is what type of investor are you? I mean are you somebody that's looking – to you know, save for 10 years to be able to buy one property or use somebody that's looking to shortcut the process, you know, find other ways that are, are there and available to be able to bring cash flow in to be able to buy more properties and then use your positive returns to be able to grow the, the business much faster. So like I said, I mean, you know, that's no different than a normal business. You know, using your, your, your profits to grow the business or using other money to fuel the growth, that's kind of a decision that, that, that lies with the individual investor. What we do is just provide alternative sources of financing and corporate credit. What we do is help real estate investors that are, for example, doing you know fix and flips. Well, where you know what are you doing to 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 be able to get all that you need to rehab that property, to pay the contractors, to pay for all the materials needed? Are you using your personal credit cards? Are you using cash? Well, why would you? You're a real estate investor. Your business itself can fund your actual transactions. So you know you can come out and easily get. A twenty, thirty thousand dollar, you know, uh, credit card at Home Depot, or Lowe's, or Visa cards, or Mastercards, or Fleet credit cards, or all these type of of liquid credit that's available for you to be able to do those type of transactions, pay those type of expenses, and do it all in your business name, where there's no personal inquiries on your personal credit report, there's no reporting of this credit on your personal credit reports, you know, so it's all basically using your business to fund and fuel your business instead of trying to find all these other other alternative sources to get it done got the podcast and i'm trying to grow it a little bigger and maybe that means buying a whole bunch of facebook ads so what's an option for someone like myself or any other business who needs some capital what kind of terms are we talking about here it's no different than any other normal credit card you obtain you know you're gonna be able to get you know zero percent on a lot of different options for you know six to 18 months then you're paying normal uh normal rates that you would on a normal visa card a normal mastercard a normal store credit card which are which are fairly low and then you've got the business capital side the business level own side and Rates on business loans really vary wildly depending on risk. You could pay 50, 60% on the money you borrow. You could pay 1% or 2% depending on the risk of the transaction. So when it comes to business loans, you know, what is it you're using to qualify? You know, are you using a strength such as the fact that you have consistent revenue? Are you using a strength such as the fact that you have collateral of some sort? Um, are you using the strength that you have good personal credit? You know, all of those open up their own kind of arsenal of different funds. Products that are available. So I'm in the business financing and the business credit and corporate credit side of things. So in our world, you know, people are using their business to build their own corporate credit profile under the business EIN that's not linked to the individual's social security number, and then using that established credit profile to qualify for all different types of loan as well as obtain all different types of credit. Um, and there's really both sides. You could use credit that has normal credit card rates, or you can have loans that have all different types of varying rates. To depending on the risk of the transaction. 
kind of break it down. You mentioned two different options there. The first is the uh, the credit card balance transfer. You get the introductory rate. What kind of a loan size could someone like myself get? How much is it based off your net worth or is it based off your income? Because I, I'll be honest. I mean, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. We hear you know, folks like yourself go through the three C's and go through business credit is different than personal credit. But I mean, no, there's no discussion and it's not worth the time to call. If we don't know rates, I mean, that's what I'm trying to understand. Rates are based on risk. It doesn't matter if it's personal financing you're looking for, a mortgage, a commercial mortgage, a residential mortgage. It doesn't matter if it's a credit card. It doesn't matter if it's a loan. The one type of financing can get you 2% and it could get somebody else 25%. What it comes down to is what's the risk of the transaction? Do you have financials? Do you have tax returns? Do you show a profit? Do you not show a profit? Do you show increasing revenues from year to year? Do you not have any tax returns? Can you verify your income by bank statements or not by bank statements? Do you want to use your personal credit to qualify or just your business credit? How is your business credit? There's really hundreds of variables when it comes to qualifying for any kind of credit or financing. So there's no way anybody can ever just tell you exactly what a rate is without going through an underwriting process to determine that risk. But what I can tell you is that you know when it comes to financing and when it comes to credit – there's just as wildly of a range of rates and terms as there is with consumer financing. You know, you're able to come in and get commercial, you know, mortgages with very low rates. The rates could be very high depending on the other risk factors involved. And there's all different kinds of financing. I mean, we have zero percent from six to eighteen months. You know, if you're low risk because you have some kind of collateral to offset the risk, such as a 401k or stocks or inventory or something to that effect, you can easily get rates below five percent. Um, if you're going into a full document scenario where you've got tax returns and you want an actual business loan or an alternative business loan or a loan from an actual investor that's going to inject cash, you can get those less than 8%. You know, If you're really high risk and you don't have anything, you can't go full documentation. Your credit's bad. You don't have collateral where you can get financing for that as well that could be 50% or higher. So it really comes down to what's your strength. That's the place to start. Is your strength the fact that you have collateral? Or do you have good credit? Or do you have cash flow? Or do you have none of those? You know, the answers there really open up different kind of financing options. So let's use an avatar of someone who has very pretty strong net worth statement. You know, maybe they own that's just their net worth is a few million dollars and they're very strong credit profile. What kind of rates would they be able to be able to borrow at and how much? Co- collateral Collateral-based financing, you can get financing for as much as 90 to 100% of the value of your collateral, and you could do it with rates of 2% or lower. If you're talking about cash flow-based financing where all you're doing is just showing bank statements to qualify for that kind of transaction, you could probably get rates of about 7 8%. If you are describing what you are, which is somebody that has good credit, good cash flow, and collateral, you know that's somebody that's going to be able to get a long-term loan um, at about 5 6%. But the reality in business lending and you know most kind of lending that I find out is that rates don't really matter at all. You know what we find from borrowers is that they're buying based on payment and payment is more dictated based on term than it is rates. So I think that a lot of people get caught up on rates in a world where in my mind I don't know why that matters because if you think about it you're going to pay a rate on a mortgage, on a personal car loan, on a personal credit card based strictly beyond because of your own risk. Your own risk determines the rate. So if the concerns to get the best rate, well then 
you want to do things to make sure you maximize your credit scores to get the absolute best FICO score that you can obtain. You want to do the things to have the strong financials, et cetera, et cetera, and those will help you get the better rate. But rates determined based on risk, what we find is that literally nine and a half out of 10 times, you know, customers will choose financing that gives them a higher rate if they have an option of getting a longer loan term to be able to equate to a lower payment. So that's what we find is interest is 100% tax deductible. So whether you're paying 2% or 50, you're getting 100% of that back on your taxes anyways. So what we find with borrowers is that they're actually interested in their payments versus rate. And that means that they're typically more inclined to choose a higher rate in a longer term than a lower rate in a shorter term because they're going for a cheaper payment, especially people investing in real estate that are looking to get the most positive return on you know what they're actually receiving on rent versus what they're actually paying from the property monthly. Right. I totally agree with you on the interest rates. I mean, people you know, go bonkers when it's four and a half percent to five and a half percent. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really make matter because you're making 20 plus percent on your total investment. But it's just a starting point for discussion. At the, like you said, at the end of the day, it's the cash flow at the end of the day. But the interest rate is a quick and dirty way of just seeing if there's enough healthy delta between how much you're making and how much you're paying out with the loan. So with this example of, you know, individual who it's worth a few million dollars and has about $5,000 of passive cash flow coming in, you're saying they would expect to pay about 5 to 10%? Pretty normal range. I mean, somebody that has good financials and good credit on most financing in the business world, there's a lot of financing that they're able to obtain from the 5 to 8% range. And what kind of uh, points up front? In the business world, you know, anything they pay points wise is rolled right into a loan, and it really varies on the kind of financing they're actually looking to obtain. But it's typically, you know, three percent or lower, maybe three points or lower on a typical transaction, depending on the type of financing they're actually looking to obtain. Yeah. So if the set interest rate was seven percent, when when you add the upfront three points, you might see like a seven and a half or something like that overall. It'll just get lumped into the interest rate. Well, it's that's an APR, right? If we're talking yeah. about you know adding that into the interest rate, then we're talking about an, an overall APR, and the APR, of course, is going to have a lot of variables, including what you're referencing. Yes. In that particular loan, was that a how long of a loan term is that, or is it a rolling? Well, I, I kind of gave you, you know, some different options there. And again, it, it depends. I'm in the business financing space. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about an SBA loan or an alternative SBA loan? Are we talking about private money? It really depends. Um, but, you know, somebody can easily obtain financing for anywhere between two years, um, even as much as 10 years with a lot of those type of loans that are alternative SBA, SBA, private investor, um, and similar type of, of funding transactions. When I got smart and sold my primary residence to start investing in investments that actually made sense, woo, I needed a place to diversify quickly as opposed to some money market or some high reward checking account. Let's face it, turnkey rentals are cool and some vacations are great, but they don't come around often. I stumbled upon the American Homeowner Preservation Fund. The owner, George Newmary, once apartment syndicator too, is now sponsoring the podcast. His fund cuts the middleman out to crowdfund the solution to the mortgage crisis in America. They are empowering you to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages and earn returns that smoke any other passive fund. If you find something else better out there, let me know. 
Oh yeah, they work with families to keep them in their home after buying the underwater note at a huge discount. It's an opportunity to make an impact on families and communities while earning returns. Start investing with as little as 100 bucks in investinahp.com. If you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. A lot of people are starting to do cash flow investments. And they've gotten to a pretty good point and they have a thousand dollar passive cash flow. And that's when I recommend now's the time where you can dabble in what you want, a little more higher risk things like development or fix and flips. What's a, what's a good option for those kinds of people who maybe they have about $200,000, but they don't have the five to $800,000 needed to take down some of these bigger projects near where they live. The goal is to do fix and flip. You know, There's a lot of fix and flip financing where you can obtain basically unlimited amount of loans through investors that focus on fix, to fix and flip. And the rates are you know, sometimes between 6 and 8%, but they can get 100% of the financing they need uh, based on the after repair value. So somebody doesn't have to actually use their liquid money. They can have a portion of it in escrow showing they have it there uh, in case they default, but they don't actually need to put it into the transaction and they can obtain financing to get a hundred percent of the what they need to actually purchase the property and rehab the property so once somebody has some experience under their belt and once somebody has some money that they're even way able or, or willing to set aside into escrow to obtain that kind of financing then you know fix and flip financing is is financing specifically designed for fix and flip so it makes a lot of sense so what is the pros and cons of going down your guys fix and flip funding as opposed to like the private money lending? Well, I think both are the same. I think there's a lot of great options out there. I mean, what we specialize in in a company is helping you know business owners and individuals separate their liability. So what we really do is we really focus on the corporate credit side to help the business itself build its own credit profile and score so the business can stand on its own to get financing and doesn't need the business owner's personally guarantee or credit to qualify. So that's a lot of what we help our customers do on the long-term basis. When it comes to actual loans, then I don't think it makes a difference. I think if you have private investors that are willing to give you funds, that's fantastic. I think fix and flip financing is just another option that works alongside of private investors to give you more options to be able to obtain more properties. So we have our little LLCs you know, with our little rental properties in it, and you're saying that we need to have that LLC get some business credit and get that going to build that credit profile because it's totally separate from our personal credit? Sure. I mean, if you're using your personal credit to try to fund your business, that's not what it's designed for. You know, personal credit is designed for you to be able to do things you need to do on the consumer side, you know, not to be able to obtain the large amounts of capital that most people need to be able to run businesses. And that's specifically what EIN and corporate credit is designed to do. You know, corporate credit limits are up to 100 times higher than consumer credit. It's very common to start building business credit and get 20, 30, 40, $50,000 limit individual credit cards, you know, fleet credit cards, other Visa, MasterCard cash credit cards where you can obtain actual liquid cash. So that's the kind of financing that a lot of investors we work with are looking to obtain because they don't want that reported on their personal credit report. They don't want the personal guarantee. They don't want constant inquiries added to their credit report or have to use their personal credit to qualify for all the properties they're looking to purchase. So I think as you grow as an investor, 
investor, then it's only natural for your business's credit profile to grow along with the business. And then the business credit profile can support the business where the personal credit's not needed, where the liability can be separated, but most importantly, where larger amounts of capital can be obtained without the personal credit check uh, being required for approval and without the reporting of that credit and financing being on the personal credit reports. What's a few ways of building that credit profile? Is it just a matter of getting some credit cards and business name? Most credit cards in the business name, you know, that that's a lot of them are not going to report on the business credit report. So Capital One Spark Card, for example, many that you get from your bank, many that you get from card issuers, they're not going to report anywhere. They're only going to report on the consumer credit reports. So, you know, building a business credit is quite intentional. It's not like consumer credit where you're, you know, most credit you obtain is going to report on your consumer credit report. With corporate credit, you have to be really quite intentional. And to get into it, you need to first set up a credible business. You know, make sure you have have your business name, your entity set up, you know, a website, an email address, and a business phone number, and a location or virtual address or a physical address that you're using for your actual business itself. Make sure that your listings online are congruent, that your business name and location is the same in the yellow pages as it is with the Secretary of State, for example. And once you've set up your business credibly, that helps you get loans and it helps you get, you know, corporate credit as well. And then the next step is to get set up, you know, with the reporting agencies. Um, you know, if the reporting agencies know you have an LLC that exists and you don't have any credit reported, they'll still give you a credit profile with a negative score. So the easiest way to find that out is go right to the reporting agencies to do a quick check and see if you have any credit profile established. Now we have a, a quick link on our website, creditsuite.com forward slash reports. And at creditsuite.com forward slash reports, they can go to Dun & Bradstreet, Equifax, and Experian Commercial. Do a quick check to see if anything shows up at all. If you don't have a credit profile, then you know you're good. And the next step is, well, a, really a couple things. You can, if you have good personal credit, you're willing to provide a personal guarantee. There are cash Visa cards, MasterCards that you can get up to 150000 They're perfect for real estate investing. Um, and you can actually use those. They report to the business credit reporting agencies, and you can build your initial business credit that way. Or you can use places like Uline, Quill, um, you know, Gimpler, Seton. These type of places sell all kinds of products and services you could want and use. They'll give you credit regardless uh, of your personal credit. They don't even do a personal credit check for approval, and they all report the credit to the business credit reporting agencies. So even somebody with bad credit can use that route, establish their you know handful of initial trade lines they need. That'll give them good business credit scores that they can then use to start getting you know high limit store credit cards. Those those companies you mentioned, what what are they and what do they do again? Um, well, it depends. I mean, Uline and Quill, for example, sell office and shipping supplies, uh, amongst many, many other things. Gimplers, Seton, Grangers, uh, they, they or Granger, they sell a lot of different products. I mean, literally, they have uh, well over a thousand categories of products that they sell. That you know, anybody that's doing, for example, fix and flips can buy things they already need for the properties they're fixing and flipping. Get immediate credit lines extended to them, uh, and that credit reports to the business credit reporting agencies, which then helps them get high limits revolving store credit cards, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, and the type of places that they're using anyways to do a lot of their repair work. So you just have to make sure they're connected via the EIN number. 
Well, the the biggest thing is to first of all leave a social security number off the application. Um, you know, anytime you provide a social security number on an application, you're not only providing a personal guarantee, you're providing a personal credit check. You know, so that's the first step. <laughs> and the second step is to make sure that any credit you obtain, if you're trying to obtain credit outside of those sources I mentioned, that you're positive that they report to the business credit reporting agencies. A lot of people think they're getting business credit because they're getting credit in their business name. But the bottom line is if you provide a social security number, you're not obtaining real business credit. Chances are very good that you're obtaining credit. They might have a credit your business on the credit card, but it's still going to report to the consumer credit reporting agencies. And that's a big problem because a third of your consumer credit score is based on utilization. So if you get credit cards for your business that report on your personal credit report, as you start putting any kind of balances on those accounts, it really, really, really uh, drives your consumer credit scores down. So right now the Simple Passive Cashflow Fanboys at home uh, has a couple tabs open with the Southwest Small Business Card, the Costco Business Card, so you can get 1% extra on the gas and one day get that Southwest Companion Card. I'm a little confused. Is he going to be able to get that to get those credit cards to boost his company credit? Sure. I mean, you know, we had a client that just got approved for a $20,000 Costco credit card where they didn't even have to provide their social security number on the application. And that's very common. You know, we have clients that get $40,000 credit cards at the same locations that you're describing that are getting, you know, 15, 20, 30, $40,000 uh, credit at BP and Chevron and Sunoco and every major retail station. The difference is, is that in the scenario you described, the, you know, applicant provided their social security number. There was a personal credit check. An inquiry was put on their personal credit report, which actually hurts them when it comes to being able to obtain additional business financing. And then there's a good chance that that Costco card – well, not a good chance. There's pretty much 100 percent certainty that that Costco card is going to report on their consumer credit report. You know, In our world, they're going to obtain a Costco credit card. The limit's going to be about 10 to 100 times higher than they would ever get approved for on the consumer side. There's no personal inquiry. There's no personal credit check. So regardless of how good or bad personal credit is, somebody can still get approved, um, and those accounts report to the business credit reporting agencies. So they could max out that Costco credit card and not lower their scores even one point, whereas in the scenario you described, if they were to max out that credit card, it easily could lower the consumer credit score by 50 to 120 points. So a big difference between credit that reports to the commercial credit reporting agencies versus the consumer because with the consumer – any utilization or any balance that you put on the card can and will lower your consumer credit score. So right now everybody's got their browser up and looking for those 0% balance transfer offers for the small business accounts. And the, the key takeaway here is just make sure that you don't put your social security number in, but you put the EIN. Well, it's not necessarily the key takeaway because that's not going to happen unless somebody builds the business credit. So there's a you know the business credit's built through different tiers. You know, I described two ways somebody could get initial business credit through about five different you know about uh, five different accounts. So the very first step of building business credit, as I mentioned, is to set up your business credibly. The next step is to get five accounts. And I mentioned Uline, Quill, and Gimplers. I mentioned I think more than five accounts that somebody could use to be able to get their initial credit that reports 
to the reporting agencies. Or again, they can get that cash credit, those Visa cards and MasterCards. Those report to the business credit reporting agencies too. There are funding sources uh, that we can even help customers with that they can obtain financing through those to help also establish their initial five accounts. Once they have about five business credit accounts reporting, then they want to continue on to start getting store credit. The Costco, the Sam's Club, the Amazon, Walmart, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's, Best Buy, Chevron, Sunoco, Sears, almost all major retailers offer corporate credit. This credit, again, you don't want to provide your social security number to get approved. Uh, and once you get about 10 total accounts, then you can start moving into what you're describing, which is Visa cards, MasterCards, cash credit. Credit that you can then use to take, you know, maybe balances that you have on your consumer side to roll those over at zero percent to the business side and not have to worry about any of that credit reporting on your consumer credit report. But to get there, you really have to follow those steps. You have to get your initial five accounts using, you know, cash credit that reports only to the business credit reporting agencies or the vendor credit we talked about, then move to store credit to get about another five accounts or more. And when somebody has about 10 accounts reporting on their business credit reports, then they can move to that step you just described to start getting Visa cards and MasterCards. Uh, so the Aparama doesn't start yet. Term that all the travel hackers like to use, they go crazy and they apply for all these credit cards trying to get the bonuses and all the miles and everything. You can still get those on the business side, you know, but again, the difference is, is that if you're traveling for business, what, why would you provide a social security number and obtain a credit card that needs a social security number to get funding that you're inevitably using for your business? You know, and that that's probably is the key takeaway is that, you know, one of the core components of credit is called capacity. Consumer credit was never designed to fund businesses, period. It's just not designed to do so. It's why our limits are so much smaller in consumer credit than what it is with business credit. You know, so anything you're going to use credit for to fund a business, you really want to do the same steps. You just want to start doing it and building your credit profile for your business and using that credit to fuel your business and pay for the expenses that you need in the growth. Nothing that actually has any kind of impact on your consumer credit. So I'm just trying to looking for confirmation here. So before you go out and get those small business cards that have the consumer credit brother and sister cards, you have to do a lot of these other steps before that. It's not a lot of the other steps. It's really the exact same as what you did with your consumer credit. You didn't walk into your bank and get a $20,000 credit card to start your consumer credit. Most people started with a co-signed loan or they started with a secure credit card. Then they started to get $500 to $1,000 limit accounts. Then they started to get $2,000 and $3,000. In the business world, this happens very, very quickly. Somebody can go regardless of how good or bad their personal credit is. Is they can get credit cards with 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollar limits within four months or six months of starting a business credit building profile. It happens years. Um, faster than consumer credit, like you know, light speed compared to consumer credit. But again, you know, you're not going to be able to get any kind of cash credit card unless you start somewhere. This on the consumer side and business side, so you can't just walk in because you have a business and get a twenty thousand dollar credit card. Just like you couldn't do that in the consumer side either. You have to show some kind of ability to pay before you get to that step. In the business world, that just happens with vendor accounts. You start with the vendor accounts, which is you know one of the initial steps. Then you start to get high limit store credit cards, and then you're to that final step of cash credit uh, within about 120 days or so. Cash credit is what I'm talking about, right? Is it yeah. the distinction? Mm -hmm. Visa cards, MasterCards, you can use anywhere. Absolutely. Is there like business credit? 
credit score? They can go right to creditsuite.com forward slash reports, and right there they can actually get links to all three reporting agencies to get their reports. They can also go to creditsuite.com forward slash consult, and at creditsuite.com forward slash consult, we'll do a free consultation with them, even give them a free copy of their business credit report and score so they can keep for their records um, as well. And then you know, people that want more information that we maybe didn't have a chance to dive into can go to creditsuite.com forward slash EIN, and at creditsuite.com forward slash EIN, there's a great free guide that maps out the exact steps uh, to be able to build business credit. Well, is it is it numeric? Um, yeah, it's numerical, but it's unlike a FICO that ranges up to 850. You know, in the business world, the majority of the scores that are used by Equifax, Experian, Commercial, and DB range from zero to 100 instead. That makes more sense. Yeah. All right, you guys, got the creditsuite.com, and you want to leave your phone number? Sure, 877-600-2487. That's 877-600-2487. And anybody that goes to creditsuite.com can easily click to call us right there. Uh, we have live chat where we can talk to them or they can even go right there to schedule a consultation. All right, Ty, thanks. A whole bunch of tools in the toolbox. Don't use the hammer for everything, but there's a tool for every job. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.